This is Dream Chasers, episode 31, with Hunter Thompson. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we interview individuals with supernatural amounts of potential based on early success in their careers. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, and today I'm joined by Hunter Thompson. Hunter is the owner of Cashflow Connections. He's originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and went to the University of Tennessee. He now lives in Mid-City Wilshire, which is in Los Angeles, California. Hunter, thanks for being on the show, and do you have any opening remarks for our listeners? Hey, thanks again for having me on. Adam, definitely want to commend you for you know keeping the show going. I know you've probably added a lot of value to your listener base, so happy to be on and discuss whatever topics you want. Definitely. Hunter, can you tell us as we get started here, and actually, you know, I'm going to get into this real quick first. Hunter is not only the owner of Cashflow Connections, which is a company that I do a lot of work with, but also a very strong friend and mentor of mine. And so since probably the spring, he's even been coaching me and giving me insights on how I can do better with my podcast and a lot of other things as well in life. Definitely a special opportunity to have him on the show today. You guys can kind of see who inspires me and where my head is at through Hunter. Not to put any pressure on you, but that's, uh, that's what we're looking forward to getting into today as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And like I said, you know, I think that you've taken the initiative over the last couple of months and that sense of urgency, which is really, really palpable. Again, commending for that. And I think you're taking advantage of a unique opportunity in the internet and the real estate sector as well. Thank you. Hunter, how long have you been the managing principal, the owner and founder of Cashflow Connections? So I have been a full-time investor since 2011 and really started that process diversifying my own personal portfolio. There was just such an opportunity back then and really started to bring in friends and family and then grow from there in 2012, 2013 and really started to scale the business in 2014 or so. So we went from having five investors to 10 investors and now we have more than 250 to put some numbers on it. We've raised a total of about $23 million in private equity, control about $66 million worth of commercial real estate. I anticipate that will double very soon because as we continue to build relationships, people have been really happy with the results we've been able to do. Because of that, it's kind of the business is, has a capacity to go kind of viral. So, you know, it's been a really exciting time to invest in real estate. It's been a really exciting time to be a real estate entrepreneur. You know, overall, I'm really excited about it. That'll kind of give you a timeline though. Great. And was there a defining moment or a specific point in time where you remember getting started with Cashflow Connections where you were like, wow, this is what I want to take to the next level. This is what I want to do. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. There was a time and the time is extremely specific. I'll tell a quick story that I think a lot of people might relate to. So I originally launched the company Cashflow Connections with the intention of helping people invest in single family houses. Back then, the world of syndications wasn't really popular. That's the way that I personally invested. And this is when you pool investor capital together and can therefore purchase high quality properties in commercial real estate. This is something that wasn't talked about a lot. So because of that, when I launched the company, I basically was going to help people invest in single family houses usually in the purchase price range of fifty dollars to $100,000. And the reason I was doing this is because I knew it was easier to explain to people and the barrier to entry was lower so that I didn't have to go through some kind of educational learning curve. The problem though, was I just really wasn't being authentic because this is not how I was personally investing. And so I think when it comes to you know communicating effectively, you're transferring that emotional component there and people were 
very hesitant to invest with me. I didn't have the results that I wanted to have. It was kind of scary because I had built up a track record of investing, but I wasn't able to drive the type of business that I was anticipating driving. And I was kind of really scared as a person, as an entrepreneur, as generally it was a frightening moment in my life. And so I ended up getting a job for a company that helped realtors get on the first page of Google. So it was a sales job. I was there for a total of about six weeks. This is the first time that I really had some significant experience in the corporate world because I had been an entrepreneur in high school and college. Basically, at the end of the six-week period, I, it came to my attention that I needed to get surgery on my shoulder. And so I went into work and said, by the way, I'm not going to be here tomorrow because I need to get an MRI done on my shoulder. And the way that they reacted to me was the type of reaction that you would give a five-year-old if they asked to drink a shot of whiskey. I mean, it was, they were horrified that I thought I could come in there the day before and say, tomorrow, I'm not going to be in here. And to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of experience in the corporate world that could be common practice, but they were talking about how HR needed to get involved and I need two weeks of notice. I mean, this was just horrifying to me the way the reaction was because it felt like I was a kid and I didn't have the capacity to make my own schedule. When that happened, the next Monday, I put in my two weeks notice. I was basically like, there's basically one option for me. I have to make being a real estate entrepreneur work. And I reformatted and rebranded the company to focus on syndications and gave it one really serious push. To be honest with you, uh, the rest is history. I mean, things turned around very, very quickly. As soon as I started being authentic to myself and the message was clear. And by the way, the world of investments changed under my feet. I didn't play a role in that. I, I would love to say that I did, but I didn't. The world of syndications opened up. Some changes in the legal structures made it so that you can invest in these types of deals online. And that was really what happened. Launching the podcast helped as well. But generally speaking, it was just a matter of identifying what really spoke to me truly and then you know, honestly communicating that to potential investors. I love it. That's a great story. And I think you're right. I think a lot of people out there, especially entrepreneurs, will be able to relate to that how there's two completely different lifestyles depending on which direction you choose to go with work. And it sounds like for you, hey, there's only one way and you're killing it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not killing it yet. I'm always working towards the next thing. I think entrepreneurs also never feel satisfied, which is something that I've, I've been working on you know, my entire career. Again, it's, it's not something that I'm super proud of that I didn't make a very good employee. You know, I think it's also amazing when people kill it in the corporate world and they also have this, you know, something they do on the side that allows them to have that similar level of freedom. You know, for me, it was not an option. And my very small amount of experience taught me this is, you basically have one try. So if you know this doesn't work, you're in a lot of trouble. Of course, it wasn't all sweet sailing from there on out. It, it definitely, I do know that I'm doing the right thing now. And this is definitely what I'll be doing until I quote retire, aka <laughs> die. <laughs> right. What would you say is your why? What's the why behind everything? Man, it's really a combination of things. I mean, when you ask why enough times, it usually comes down to just a person. Uh, for me, it's certainly my fiance. She is unquestionably the perfect match for me. That's such a remarkable thing to be able to say confidently, understanding the statistical impacts and the statistical implications of that statement. That's insane and almost impossible, but I'm, I live it. I experience it every day. There's just no one else like that that could be a perfect match. Again, even as I say it, it's like, is that actually true? But it is 100% <laughs> true. So um, that's my answer. Um, and then also, you know, the future why is building a life with her that allows us to have the flexibility and allows us to provide an environment that is extremely healthy and nurturing for our children that we, you know, we hope to have one day. And so it's a combination of all those things, but she will always be a motivating factor because she inspires me. She's also an entrepreneur. She's got incredible attention to detail and she always 
wants me to be the best person that I can be. So, you know, that's the answer. Definitely. Let's give a quick plug to her business as well. What is it again? Her name is Chrissy Devaney and she's the owner of Dynamo Events. And that can be found at dynamo-events.com. She has done some insane events for high-flying VC-funded tech companies. We just were in San Francisco doing a site visit for an event she's about to do where there, I believe, is 400 rooms of this hotel. They basically they paid an extra $25,000 fee to brand the entire hotel, meaning that when you walk in, it's covered in this company's branding. More than a million dollar budget for this two-day event. So that's the type of event she works on. Thankfully, she's been able to work with us on an event we did recently. Of course, the budget was not even a tenth of that and her commission was uh, even less than what she's used to making, obviously. But um, yeah, she's incredibly talented and you know she's a huge part of the team as well. I agree. And I've, I, having known Chrissy, I I think you definitely hit the nail right on the head there. Her company's impressive and show, so is she. And your love for her is also definitely an example for everyone out there to know that love is real and there is someone out there for all of us. I can completely relate with you on that level as well, which I'm grateful for. What would you say, Hunter, are the downsides and the positives to being in the industry that you're in? I'll start with the positives and we'll talk about the negatives first. Usually I'll do it in the reverse order, but this case is important. So the thing with real estate and being a real estate entrepreneur is the amount of freedom because of there's some unique specifics of the asset class, which allow for a lot of freedom. And so what I'm talking about there specifically is scalability. Um, It also can be very lucrative if you do it correctly. It also is incredibly scalable. I know several companies that are less than 15 people that control anywhere between half a billion to a billion dollars or $1.5 billion of real estate. That is basically impossible in any other asset class. Nothing that I know of, including the hedge fund space. The, Mm -hmm. The fact that you can just be extremely scalable with a really tight knit group of people that can last a lifetime is, I can't find another better way to do that. Now, the challenge though, is that there is a extremely critical, while everyone tries to sweep it under the rug, there is an omnipresent situation that's always going on, which is the market cycles. And you can have companies that make money for 100 years that get completely wiped out because of a change in the market cycle. And that is something that is on everyone's mind all the time as it should be. And even if you're the type of person that tries to just put your nose down and just go forward as fast as possible, the other people around you are constantly reminding you that you can get the rug taken out from under you like it happened to so many people in 2008, 2010. That's something that is always on our mind. So going back to, you know, what's your why factor and planning for the future, you know, it is a little bit tough to be in a relationship with someone who, if you figure out how to make money in any non-cyclical business, if you just figure out the infrastructure, like, wow, all we got to do is do this 10 times a year and we're golden. That's the way it is in real estate. You go, okay, cool. I figured out how to create a brand. I figured out how to raise capital. I figured out how to invest appropriately. You can't just go, okay, I've got it. This is us for the next 50 years because you have to always be conscious that every seven to 10 years, there's going to be a significant drop in prices. And so that's always in the back of your mind. That's really the one, in my opinion, one of the only challenges. You also get into really serious complications with legal matters. There's always that thing in the back of your mind that you may get sued because a lot of real estate operators to one degree or another are operating in a gray area because the world of securities or private securities, it's an extremely challenging space to navigate legally, even if you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal fees, which we have done. Those are the two things that I think really stand out. Overwhelmingly though, the fact that the asset class has the ability to provide cash flow as well as appreciation, as well as passive income and tax 
benefits. It is, there's just a lot of unique parts of it. And there's a reason why almost all of the millionaires in the United States, the vast majority of them were created via real estate. Yeah. One thing to highlight that you did, which is the scalability and the the ways in which you can go from zero to a hundred in real estate. I have to agree. It's hard to find that in any other, in any other industry. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, you'd listen to a lot of successful people that I talked to on my podcast, for example. Uh, many of them have an assistant and a partner and maybe that's it. They can control $100 million, $200 million worth of real estate. And so, you know, that's definitely something that I like to do. I like to be lean and mean just to keep administrative costs as low as possible because we want to pass through investors as much as possible. You know, that's the type of business that I like to have, especially given I have a complete hatred for bureaucracy and inefficiencies. And any of the stories I hear about people in the corporate world that have to do with uh, meetings that go on for long and long and don't have anything to do with them, I just hate that. That's 0% of my business. Adam, you know that from working with me. We just don't mess around. We get things done. That's it. Yep, definitely. Even the phone calls that we have coming up today, I know they're going to be short, sweet, and to the point so we can keep being efficient. So that's one thing I definitely agree with and I like about working with you and in real estate. Hunter, who are some individuals industry leaders maybe that you're inspired by. And I have to ask also, since you just referenced it, who is your favorite guest so far on your podcast? Man, favorite guest. I'm going to think about that one for a second. But in terms of industry leaders, a couple of people that come to mind, uh, Cameron Harold is an entrepreneur and he was a, previously the COO of Got Junk, which is a company that still goes to this day. I think he went from 20 employees to 2,000 under his you know, operating efficiencies. He also has a book called Double Double, and he also co-authored a book called Miracle Mornings for Entrepreneurs. Um, and just to clarify, it's Miracle Mornings for Entrepreneurs. Miracle Mornings is a brand that has several different books. That one is really, really awesome because you get the combination of some of the stuff about meditation and setting your intentions with the hyper- operating side of the business, which is written by Cameron Harold. So he's someone that really comes to mind. That's I just mentioned that one because it's someone that most people aren't already talking about. So yeah, I mean, he's one of the major inspirations for me as an entrepreneur for sure. And what was the second part of the question? You stumped me. Oh, as far yeah, as yeah. you know, some of my favorite guests. Well, Cameron has been a guest on my show. That's obvious. And he was <laughs> definitely one of my favorites. I originally had a former consultant to the IMF as a guest on my show. His name is Richard Duncan. That conversation, I don't agree with everything he says, but his depth of knowledge when it comes to economics is pretty, very remarkable. So that was be one of my favorite episodes. If you guys are interested in interest rates and the way that they impact the world of finance, that's a great conversation. Another one is Ethan Pinner. That was probably the first time I had a conversation where I kept checking the recording device just to be like, man, I cannot believe this. Are we actually getting this? Because this is mind blowing. So definitely check out those two episodes. If you Google Ethan Pinner Cashflow Connections or Cameron Harold Cashflow Connections or Richard Duncan Cashflow Connections, you'll have hours of entertainment. I have to say from a clout perspective as well, you, you got to talk about the guy you had on your show who called you Killer Thompson. <laughs> yeah, the guy. So I actually, so when I first read 10X by Grant Cardone, which by the way, everyone should read that book. Um, it will definitely shift the Overton window in terms of what you think is possible because regardless of what you think about Grant Cardone and a personality, that way of thinking basically 10xing your goals and then 10xing the anticipated amount of work, money, expertise, and capital that it will be required to accomplish those goals, you are never going to go wrong there. Even if, even if you end up not accomplishing those 10x goals, you'll very likely do a multiple of what you 
would do, have done anyway. And I'll give you a perfect example. I used to do my podcast episodes every two weeks because I thought they were too dense to do on a weekly basis. And I read 10X and I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to bump it up to two uh, once every once every week. And that just that was explicitly from that book. That alone made a significant impact in my business. But the reality is most people don't accomplish what they're setting out to accomplish because they completely underestimate the amount of work, energy, and capital and resources that is going to require for them to accomplish anything significant. It's always going to be hard. That's the reason that you want to do it. And it's the reason that other people haven't. I am a huge proponent of 10X. Now, Grant Cardone ended up coming on my show and it was really funny because we had a lot of back and forth and that was taking place off camera. I could see him and he could see me, but the recording is only the audio. So there was a couple of times where he was trying to steer the conversation towards his real estate business. And I want to talk about some of the books he authored. And he actually gave me the finger in the middle of our conversation, <laughs> but it was all playful. And he ended up calling me Killer Thompson, which I know from watching a couple of his videos is, is certainly a term of endearment. So yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to mention that. Definitely unique and cool story. So we had to get it out there. Hunter, we're getting close to the end here. We got a couple more questions for you. The first one would be, what advice would you have or would you give to a young real estate entrepreneur? And do you have an example of something that you wish you would have done differently looking back? Something that has really helped me recently. So look, here's the thing. When you get started, it's really just about hustle. It's really just about going as fast as you can in pretty much as many directions as you can. I'm not going to lie to you. That is just exactly what's going to happen because you don't know where to go. Now, that's not ideal. That's not efficient. That's, not, uh, that's nothing you should be doing, but that is exactly what you will do. Okay. I'm just, that's the case. However, once you start to get a little bit of a idea of what direction you're holding, then you start to shift into the world of being extremely focused. And that focus is actually what's going to get you to take your business to the next level. So once you start to get in that realm of focus, I am a huge advocate of doing things in very significant time blocks that are cognitively demanding without shifting gears and without interruption. If you are going to be doing a particular task, let's say it's writing articles or coming up with topics to write articles about, I like to block a minimum of an hour and a half and a maximum of three hours to just only write hundreds and hundreds of article topics without texting, without getting phone calls, without answering the phone, just only do that for three hours. That's the only way that I was able to accomplish anything um, efficiently. So that would be a suggestion I would have to young real estate entrepreneurs. It's a combination of being hyper-focused and extremely have a sense of urgency. Urgency is one of the very few strengths that I have. And it is a, that is the speed of execution is such a, um, a compelling skill because people around you are like, well, this guy's moving so fast. I got to go with him. And it, it's a snowballing effect. So you surround yourself with people that also have that sense of urgency. And if you can just out execute everybody from a speed perspective, you'll see how quickly your business will scale. And that's something I, I work on to this day, but that's something that, you know, if you just have that focus and then urgency, you're going to be in a good position every single quarter. I love that you highlighted that with speed as well. I know even it doesn't matter what industry really you're in, for example, I've heard this phrase in sports many times. I think of the NFL in particular, but they say speed kills. And why, why does speed kill at a professional level? Well, again, skill-wise, pound for pound, someone who's a, I don't know, say defensive back for the LA Chargers compared to someone who's defensive back for a Division One university, the primary difference outside of their tangible, raw athleticism normally is one is simply just faster. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can overcome 
overwhelming weaknesses. By the way, I mean, I like the opportunity to come on and especially ask questions about talking to young entrepreneurs. The reason I feel comfortable giving them suggestions is that I was a young entrepreneur, right? And so what I want to make clear is, like you mentioned, you're killing it as an entrepreneur. That's not how I think. That's I don't get up every morning and say, thank God I'm killing it as an entrepreneur. <laughs> what I do every morning is say, wow, what are we going to do if we don't scale every single month? right? Because that's what you have. That's the mindset that I have to have at least to keep myself motivated. I have a ton of overwhelming weaknesses that have been overcome to a significant degree by just speed of execution and urgency. I mean, the weaknesses are overwhelming. Like I said, I'm not a very good copywriter. I've, I've struggled with a variety of things throughout my career, but they have been overcome to a certain degree by just going and getting it done. Definitely. All right, Hunter. Well, I've got three fun questions for you for everyone to kind of feel like they got to know you a little bit more today. Uh, the first one is, what is your favorite workout? The second one, because I know you're, you're a big UFC guy, is who's your favorite UFC fighter? And the third one, because I know you also have some history in electronic music or as a DJ, so I have to ask you who also is your favorite electronic DJ. You can answer any of those three in, in whatever order you like. So we'll start with the workout one. I have, I ran high school cross country and track and I was competitive at the high school level and had an opportunity to run for a couple of colleges and did division two and division three, et cetera. Um, not really getting any scholarships at the division one level. I kind of put that on the back burner to focus on weight training. And I've really had a ball uh, getting stronger because it's something that didn't come easily to me. But recently I thought, you know, I'm 33 now. I'm probably genetically getting close to my peak ability to run. And so I kind of wanted to go under five in the mile again for one more time before I ride off into the sunset with these old bones. <laughs> and so doing some kind of combination of, you know, being able to deadlift 400 plus pounds and go and also go under five in the mile. That's kind of what I'm working for right now. I've got a 415 pound deadlift and nowhere near that in the mile right now. But I think over the next two months, I think I can go do both of those. And so that would be something that I would think would be like my current ideal workout. I'm a huge fan of training heavy sets of three sets of five completely underutilized. You'll get massive gains, especially if you're an ectomorph and are, are generally skinny. That's, that's what's been able to, you know, get me to that level. That's pretty cool. Favorite was, it, was the first one, favorite UFC fighter and favorite electronic DJ. To be honest with you, my favorite fighter has got to be Connor because I've got a little bit of Irish in me. And yes, we did suffer a defeat at the hands of Khabib, but we celebrate in the face of adversity because your boy will be back to knock his head clean off in the third round. That's perfect. You were McGregor for Halloween too, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I had to overcome my McGregor impersonation for the Halloween costume, <laughs> which didn't go viral, but uh, I think had the potential to. Love it. And favorite electronic DJ? Dude, my favorite electronic concert I've ever seen was Dead Mouse. It shouldn't be surprising. There's a new artist that is has a crazy story. Her name is Rez. I think she's 22 oh, yes, right yes. now. She just got signed to Dead Mouse's record label. I saw her recently. It is clear that he has mentored her. I mean, the Dead Mouse live component, if you've seen him not at a festival, not at a quote DJ set, but when it's him setting up his whole rig, he, there is another, there's levels to this game. And he basically sat her down, I'm sure, and said, look, here's what we do. We're the best in the business at everything at all times. And we also do some little gimmicky thing like he wears the hat. Right. And, and she wears the spinning glasses. Yeah. So it's like very similar. But if you have the opportunity to see Rez, it's, 
really, really special. You actually go somewhere. Plus, she DJs almost exclusively her own music, similar to the way that Dead Mouse does live. That's so cool. I did not know that, but that, that totally lines up and makes sense when you compare the two DJs. So definitely looking forward to my next Res concert as well. Hunter, uh, is there a way anyone listening can get in touch with you after the show? Yeah, absolutely. So if you check us out, it's cashflowconnections.com is the name of the company. And we also have a podcast that talks about commercial real estate. You can find that at Cashflow Connections real estate podcast on iTunes. And if you're interested in learning more about the type of investments that we have or listening to some of my favorite uh, podcast episodes, you can shoot me an email at info at cashflowconnections.com. I'll shoot you a couple of free eBooks. That will be like hours and hours of educational content that I'm sure you'll enjoy if you like this conversation. Perfect. Well, thank you, Hunter. It's been great having you on here. Any, any final remarks, any closing words? Yeah. I mean, I just want to thank you again, Adam. I think it's awesome what you're doing. And I know that a lot of your listeners are, are, you know, either entrepreneurs in the face of making that call. I'm a huge proponent of, you know, making that jump or having some kind of side hustle. It's an incredible time. You know, there was a certain part in time in the United States where 97% of the world, 97% of the country worked in agriculture. Um, I can tell you right now that I would have been viewed as a failure in that world. I'm not someone that is really likes doing handy work. And because of the lack of job opportunities, I would have been, people would have been like, that guy sucks at working. And I would have not, I would not have done well in a factory job either. So the opportunity to have this incredible diversification of potential ways to generate income is remarkable. We should all be taking advantage of that. So if that means that you have some certain expertise in whatever particular niche, create a website, make an ebook, drive traffic to the website, get people to exchange their email address in exchange for this ebook that you write, and you're off to the races. That's the entirety of what business is at this point, and it's very straightforward. Totally agree. And if anyone listening wants to follow up on that advice, feel free to reach out to me as well. I can always connect you with Hunter. would love to do that. That's very a very inspiring way to end this. So thank you all for listening. We will catch you in the next episode. And remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level.